You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. This is the Christian Humanist Podcast, a weekly discussion of theology, philosophy, literature, art, and other things that human beings do well. And now your hosts, David Grubbs, Nathan Gilmore, and Michael Farmer. Still the same Welcome to episode 306 of the Christian Humanist Podcast. I'm your host for today. My name is Michael Farmer. I live in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Uh, You know who lives here with me? My wife, Victoria Reynolds Farmer, who is filling in for Nathan Gilmore for the rest of this calendar year. Victoria, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, Looking forward to talking about some art today. And also joining us is uh, David Grubbs, who is an assistant professor of English at Houston Baptist University in Houston, Texas. How's it going, David? Pretty good. Pretty good. Also stoked about art because, you know, I, I, th- I think of myself as uh, a, a an artist who failed for lack of willpower when he was 10. You, you know, I, I don't know that we've ever done an episode on visual art. If If we have, I certainly don't remember it. And it's funny because when I recorded our current um, intro many years ago now, I think it was like 2014 when I recorded that. We used to switch the intro every year, and we got lazy on that as we did on so many other things. Um, but art is in there specifically, and uh, yet I don't think we've ever done an episode on art before. So this is the episode that uh, that proves we weren't lying for 200 episodes <laughs> with that intro. <laughs> that we haven't been lying for six years? But before we get to that, uh, what's new on the network? Well, we've got um, more core curriculum dropping, um, well, what will be tomorrow for me, but what will be last week for you. Um, but then, because we're still in the season, there's also one tomorrow from when this posts. So yes, I, there'll be one every Wednesday until I think January 20th. Huzzah! Uh, so yeah, so more core curriculum. That was a super fun one to record, and I have forgotten which ones I was on and which ones I wasn't. So it's sort of an every week anticipation. Um, and I also can't remember anything that I said. So even the ones I'm on are fresh. Right. Um, there will be a before they were live that posts later. Uh, it posted last week, on. actually. Yeah. So Mil- Milan, it posted mm-hmm. last week. Yes. Well. This week as we're recording, but last week as they're listening to it. So, yes, yes Mulan. Yes. So, uh, so Mulan's up. Mulan is up. Um, a Profiles episode posted yesterday. That's what, mine. What? That's Solzhenitsyn in American Culture. That's an interview with Jessica Houghton-Wilson and David Devil, who just edited a new collection on Solzhenitsyn. So that should uh, – that was a, it was a fun conversation and an interesting book. Um, and if you really want to hear me butcher some Russian names – uh, that's your that's your episode. Super fun. And this Friday, it looks like we've got a CFP coming up. What the, what is that one about? That is about what is it about? Squirrel Girl. I don't. Oh yes, uh, the graphic novel, uh, The Adventures of Squirrel Girl, which I know zero about, but was requested by. Uh, our network mate, uh, Josh Altman Schofer. So, uh, cheers, Josh. We finally did it six months he, after you asked us to. Is it only six months? I was thinking that he actually requested that before he was part of this network. Am I making that up? I don't know. It was a really long time ago. I was thinking he probably, requested it three or four years ago. I don't think it was that many years. It was probably more than six months, though, because we were actually, it was supposed to be recorded in the summer and then it got pushed. Yeah. So. Well, anyway. he, he knows it's coming. I texted him while I was editing it and told him uh, told him that the episode he requested so so many moons ago had finally arrived. So I'm sure he and everybody else is looking forward to that this Friday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to listen, too. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Very cool. Well, our, t- our topic today is a different kind of visual art, um, the work of Edward Hopper. Now, Hopper is well known to everybody, essentially, for the painting Nighthawks, which you have certainly seen, and you've certainly seen parodies of it. And we're not going to talk about Nighthawks, 
because I feel like there's not much left to be said about it. So what I did instead was I took four other paintings by Edward Hopper and I sent it to Victoria and to David. And we're going to just kind of talk through these paintings, look at them and um, and just describe what we see and see if we can find some way to get at the essence of Hopper's work and what it kind of reveals about the human condition, if I can if I can put it in such grandiose language. Now, the four paintings we're looking at are, are called Night Windows, City Roofs, New York Movie, and Room in New York. And all of those are available for free through wikiart.org, or also I'll have links to them in the show notes for this episode. Uh, anything either of you wants to say about Edward Hopper before we talk about these specific works? When I dipped into WikiArt, I don't think I had realized just how long he had been working. Um, the the first sort of sketches and paintings that you see on there are um, emphatically kind of uh, fin de siècle, like Gibson girl kind of stuff. And w- which I thought was very, very, very interesting to, to watch how um, his style, but also the sorts of things that he was paying attention to in different um, parts of his career, uh, how that shifted over time. So, so that was really neat. So to, to go from the guy who painted Nighthawks in my mind to, you know, this, decades spanning career um, of paying attention to things in different ways. It's, it's pretty cool. What, what strikes me about Nighthawks is how difficult it is to see it. I, I mean, in, in some ways, I mean that literally, which is if you go to the Art Institute of Chicago, there's perpetually a crowd of people gathered around it. Last time we went, um, I literally couldn't see it. But also, it's such a familiar image, and it's been parodied so many times that I think it's it's very difficult to even approach that painting. It's It's been kind of used up. And yet, the rest of his work is in some ways of a piece with Nighthawks. Like, I, I think he has some some characteristic concerns that we're going to go over, and, and certainly a very distinctive style. Um, but also, because it's of different things and because... Most of these, most people haven't seen a million times, and certainly they haven't been parodied a million times. I think um, I, I think they can offer us a, a more interesting way in. What do you think, Victoria? I know you love Hopper. Yes, I, I do love Hopper quite a bit. Um, I'm still a little bit salty that you didn't include my favorite Hopper painting today, but it's okay. What's your favorite Hopper uh, painting, Victoria? Automat. Okay. Noted. Um. Automat is is my favorite because he doesn't have a lot. Of, he has a lot of um, paintings that seem to be about the individual male experience. Uh, he doesn't have a ton that seem to be about the individual female experience. Um, that we are looking at one of those, um, but Automat is another. But what I want to say about Hopper is um, we went to see a Hopper exhibit once. I don't remember what city was it in. It was in Minneapolis. It was a traveling exhibit that had come okay. to Minneapolis. Okay. Is it the MIA? Um, all right. So thank you. Uh, we went to see this exhibit at the MIA. And as I said, I like Hopper. I've liked Hopper for a long time. Um, and, and though I did know that he worked for many decades, um, the thing that jumped out at me that I didn't expect was how I felt in seeing um, they, they had a number of pieces that were next to the sketches that led to the finished pieces. So you got to see the process and the evolution of um, various works. And because so much of Hopper's work is about um, the relationship between people and places, to see the paintings start out as sketch outlines and, and pencil drawings and see them kind of um, be imbued with a, a sense of weight and, and place themselves was a, a really amazing um, visual experience. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I enjoyed that exhibit as well. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the four paintings we've got in front of us today. And we'll start with uh, with Night Windows, which is from 1928. 
Victoria, would you like to go first and, and kind of describe this painting as you see it? Oh, before, before we begin that, I meant to say this at the outset. I don't know about you guys. I have absolutely no training talking about visual art, so I'm not great at talking about music. I'm, uh, I, I'm a total novice talking about visual art. So if I say anything stupid or miss out on uh, things that are obvious, you guys, I hope, will forgive me, and I hope our listeners will as well. Um, I will. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, a teeny bit of training talking about visual art in that I have taken a couple of art history classes um, and one unit of my of the composition class that I taught was centered around um, analyzing visuals. So I I have a bit of a basic vocabulary, but sure, um, I will kick off night windows. So um, just to kind of start with the most basic of basic uh, visual analysis, the thing that I notice immediately about this painting is that um, it is kind of divided into three textbook sections, um, which is the way they tell you to start drawing when you start drawing things, is think of the rule of three. Hmm. Um I mean, yeah. he's do, he's doing something more sophisticated uh, with the rule of three here than a lot of people do because you don't get um, you don't get completeness in either of the three sections and you don't get completeness when the three sections are put together because there's um, you have these three windows into an apartment and you see into it it appears to be a woman's um, apartment but you don't see even a complete person and each window is just kind of a sliver um into her is it a bedroom i i, I take it to be a, i take a it to be a bedroom, bedroom. i take that okay. that red mass behind the this middle window to be her bed okay because that there's a radiator mm-hmm. and and yeah. she and she looks to be um bending over as if she's um, maybe maybe she's drying her hair. It looks like mm-hmm. with a towel, um, but you don't see her head. She is headless. Um, the first thing I typed um, before I even got to like color and shadow was uh, rear window. It reminded me immediately <laughs> of, of Hitchcock's rear window. Oh yeah. Um, or and, vice and the versa. Theme, well, yeah. <laughs> The, the other way around, I suppose. Um, but the same kind of voyeuristic um, and and incomplete uh, ideas are um, are here in spades. Also, just really um, really expertly painted shadows. But that's that's something that Hopper is a, a master of is is sort of um, layer and, and shadow. Krebs, what would you add? The just the feelings that accompany looking at this. Um, I don't know what the object is in the right-hand window, mm-hmm. but there's a, a completely different quality to the light. Um, this this orange um, warm glow that's coming out of that. Um, I, I don't even know if it's the same. If that window leads into the same space that mm. this part of a woman is. Um, it seems to have a different, uh, a, certainly a different interior lighting. So, so I don't know if that's even the same, even the same space. But that that's interesting to me um, that the windows might not even go uh, into the same interior. Um, the figure that's in the middle, because you can only see um, part of her and she's bent over. Um, this particular, several of his window paint, you know, paintings of people kind of looking into windows or looking out windows, um, feel, I feel okay with. I feel like I'm looking at a painting of looking into a window. And this one, I feel like someone who's perched on a porch mm-hmm. or on a balcony across an alley from someone. Because we're looking down probably, at her too, right? We're above yeah. her. Who probably needs to go inside. Away. Yeah, who probably needs to go inside and mind his business. <laughs> Although I'll point out, if she didn't want you looking at her, why she got the curtains open? <sighs> okay. Because we know there's curtains. We see them on the left window, and we see the we see the edge of it on the middle window. 
that's fair. That's fair. Um, the though I don't know I don't I, I don't know how far to push that story. Um, it appears <laughs> well, that's, to be that's the thing about Hopper, right? Is his paintings yeah. more than most modern artists? I would say really demand that you tell a story about what you're looking at. There's a, there's a narrative here, and you just kind of can't put it together. Right. And and so much of his city paintings too are concerned with the question of the anonymity of the city, and right. and and how sort of how much are you as a person in a city seen or known, and and do you know when you're being looked at or not because there are just so many people. Right. right. Although there's there's never 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 a lot of people in a hopper painting not mm. in the painting but, no but that's but what I'm, in, that, in the universe yes but I, th- I think i think that's important right because we're in a yeah. city we're, we're explicitly in a city at least not, maybe not in this one but in, in the other three we're looking at explicitly in a city yeah. and yet and yet there's this one figure and not even a whole figure right all we see is her rear end yeah. cities are are simultaneous um spaces of uh, crowding and, and isolation of um, overwhelmedness and anonymity. All of those things coexist at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's other paintings before this one that he did, kind of looking back through his, his backlog. He has several paintings, especially of um, women in uh yeah, nudes and uh, kind of various stages of sort of pre-fully dressed, um, posed in bedrooms that have a very "I'm in a bedroom with a model posing" mm-hmm. look to them. Um, that that don't create the same sense of this isolated person who who may not be aware of the gaze that you get that you get from this. I, I found it very interesting to kind of look at this painting and then go back to his backlog and see the degree to which he he painted several um uh, several subjects that you could describe as woman in intimate portrait of woman in bedroom Mm -hmm. but this is not that um i mean it is it's intimate for her right right i just i as the only woman on this panel right now um, this painting makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know that I have been in situations where, particularly like this, this just out of the shower situation. Um, you said you didn't know what the third, the thing in the third window was. I think it's a, uh, uh, another towel hanging on the back of the bathroom door that mm-hmm. is the same color as the towel she's wrapped up in. That makes sense. Um, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so she's, like, getting ready for whatever. She's gotten out of the shower, and, um, you know, she bends over to put a towel on her head and is doing the upside-down flip thing, um, a, thing I do, a thing I do every day, uh, and, and a, a lot of women do, uh, probably. So I, I think that she's going through, it appears to me, that she's going through these very routine motions and doesn't know that there are people looking at her. And I just, what crosses my mind is like, how often have I been in that same situation and not known it? Like probably more than I would like to think about. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I, 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 yeah, this one is really, really interesting, but I, I can't put aside that kind of visceral repugnance of being put in the position of, I don't know, voyeur ninja. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that strikes me is the closeness of that room, how small it is, especially, David, if you're right, and yeah. the, the third window belongs to another room, whether it's her bathroom or a neighbor's apartment. That room is very small. It's dominated. The only the only thing we really see in full is that radiator. And mm-hmm. you know it's hot in there because she's got the left window open. Um, and, and yeah. you know, it's hard to tell what season it is, but I picture it being kind of late fall. That radiator is on, and yet it's 95 degrees in that room just because it's so small and radiators are so difficult to control. That's something I learned in Minnesota. Mm. That's cool. And you don't see a dresser, desk, bookshelf, yeah. closet. Um, not that those things aren't there and obscured from us, but it, but it does create this very... Um, kind of Spartan mm-hmm. 
view of this very Spartan person who has nothing, not really anything of her own to return to and is in the middle of, you know, preparing, well, so sort of, sort of the prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. She's, she's going through the, those rituals of grooming to reemerge out in public again. But the place that she goes back to is, um, just nothing. So at, at this period in cities, it would be quite common for women, especially single women, to have roommates. Um, there were entire buildings in large cities. Um, I know <laughs> Milwaukee had them, New York had them, Chicago had them. I don't know if Minneapolis had them or not. Um, entire buildings that were um, apartments just for single women. And <clears throat> women would often um, share these um these rooms, there would be two or four um, women to a room in, in twin beds, sort of college dormitory style, um, and often with, with similar rules in place because it wasn't, um, you know, proper for uh, women to be unchaperoned at certain periods. So, like, this is not that. This is not the Barbizon. Um, she's in a tiny corner room. There's There doesn't appear to be another bed. So she doesn't have... Um, the, the kind of protection of a roommate that single women might have um, in the city in this period. One other thing we might want to consider is we, we've assumed that that's a towel and she's getting dressed. It could very well be a short red dress and she's coming home for the evening and taking her shoes off. I suppose she could be. Yeah. She might or not it's even a, be. Or it's a slip. She might not even be alone. Because we don't see what's between the middle and right windows. There could be a man there. That's true, but I think if Hopper wanted us to put that in the story, he'd have some kind of a enigmatic shadow, maybe? Mm, yeah. Although the shadows in the room are going yeah. the other direction. I was thinking of oh, the length of the skirt, but it is 1928. Right. Um, so, you know, could be a be a flapper dress yeah that's what, that's what i was thinking i still think it's a towel i, I mean I, I agree with yeah. that she's this is the beginning of an evening rather than the end i think that's a good reading especially in light of the other paintings or the uh, paintings and sketches that he had that um before before this painting there are signs that hopper pays close attention to the routines of people doing things that are so ordinary and mundane that they're automatic and they don't remember they did them. Yeah. Um, like that, an automatic. That he seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. That he's really interested in that. Um, so he's, he, he strikes me as the person who would have noticed the head flip thing. Well, are we ready to move on to the next painting? Sure. Yeah. We're talking now about City Roofs, which is from 1932, so four years later. And uh, there's a kind of accidental intimacy in Night Windows. There's very little intimacy at all in City Roofs, because as far as I can see, there's not a human being in it, at least not one who's, like, visible to us, presumably in the building uh, in the background. There are people in those windows, but we can't see them. Uh, David, let's start with you on this one. Uh, how would you describe City Roofs? Yeah, this is the sort of the architectural version of the perspective that we just saw in Night Window, which is the um, seeing something, see, see, seeing a subject, considering a subject from the angle that it is not presented and expected to be seen from, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're we're meant to be looking at, you know, sort of awesome city skyscrapers and whatnot um, sort of from the sidewalk below them or even better the sidewalk across the street um, mm -hmm. that 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 kind of um, that that's what the architect expects um, this city roofs painting on the other hand is giving us a view that almost no one has uh, who isn't either you know paid to do maintenance. <laughs> or occupies an office or an apartment on that back part of the building that has a terrible view. 
Right. Yeah, because I lived when I lived in Omaha, I lived in the sixth floor of a building, and my view looked very much like this. <laughs> so the, the, this is not the this is not the angle that they that they pitch. You know, when when you said ah the amazing scape, cityscapes, um, this is not this is not necessarily that. We're seeing New York in uh, its towel, right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's in yeah. its way a very similar picture to to Night Windows. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it's not night; it's day, um, which which means that we don't get to see the city in its lights. Uh, which which you know that that that's the other thing. Either either looking up at the you know the vista in the day or the lights in the night. Um, and this is neither. Uh, but you get to see all of those things that make the interiors livable: uh, the chimneys and the vents and the skylights, uh, windows. Uh, all of these kind of the functioning apertures <laughs> of the buildings are visible. In looking through the the backlog, he actually has several paintings um, uh, before, a few before, and many after this, which are from the perspective of of being on a roof or looking across roofs. Um, sometimes they are in. Uh, there's there's a one called El Palacio, which is set in a small city, um, a, a, a mansion roof, Saltillo Mansion, uh, the Church of Saint Esteban, uh, San Esteban, uh, which is in uh, is it Mexico City? It's in Mexico. Um, I can't remember the, the the city, but again, it's 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 an angle looking across roofs. Um, looking at the edifice from the angle that the architect never intended, <laughs> um, showing the backside of a uh, of of what is the the sort of the ornamental edifice in the front, showing the gap between the structure and the um, uh, not not necessarily the cosmetic, but the the you 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 know what I mean. Um, the front of a building that's meant to give you one particular impression of the structure, but then if you look behind, you see that actually that's ornamental. Um, it's not actually structural, and there's some distance. Although, um, if you if you live in a city, David, almost everybody has a view like this from somewhere. So it's the side of the city no one's supposed to see, but it's also a side of the city that almost everybody sees at one point or another. Yeah, exactly. It's It's the... It's the side of the city that people who live in the city see. Right. It's not the postcard. Although I would say, if you look at the difference between the buildings in this painting and the one in Night Windows, the one in Night Windows is a much older building. We're in the skyscraper age now, 1932. You know, when, it, when is the... <clears throat> the Empire State Building is like 31, isn't it? Oh, I don't know the dates on that. Anyway, it's... it's That's the, the skyscraper age is dawning in 32. Mm-hmm. And when you've got 90 floors to your building, you're going to see the city from an angle that was not possible or even uh, advisable in some ways before that. It was built in 31. 30, I thought it was 31 because um, King Kong uh, is 33 and, and they used the Empire State Building because it was new. Or finished it, finished in 31, yeah. And, and yeah. you kind of get a skyscraper feel, or at least I do, from that that yellow building off to the the back and the right. It, it seems more yeah. like a skyscraper than any of the other buildings we're, we've looked at so far. It doesn't have that warm, kind of homey-looking brick um, that you see the sort of the the building that's directly kind of front in the middle distance. It doesn't have that structure to it. I mean, you can definitely see that this is a where wherever this is. I don't. Do we know where this is? Um, it's a space where uh, the skyscraper is the new thing. Most of the skyline that we see is not at its level. Um, he, he has another painting um, called Roofs of Washington Square that looks much like city roofs, but from a different angle. So I, I think it's probably um, at least not too far from the Washington Square Park area. So that's the West Village in Manhattan. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I like this one. Um, I feel like uh, if I had, you know, if I was raising pigeons on the roof <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, uh, Batman, you know, during the day, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, it, 
it's got that kind of you know when he's not at work you know but he but you know he he kind of kind of likes to hang out and enjoy the enjoy the roof line um i i I like city roofs i don't feel weird about city roofs if i was looking in one of those skylights at you know into somebody's bathroom or something i'd feel weird but uh I i like this one victoria what was you at um, so I apparently write notes in film references for this episode, uh, <laughs> because, uh, the first thing I wrote other than talking about color in this one is, uh, Mary Poppins, but cleaner. I also thought Mary Poppins. Um, it's well, it's Jim it, chimneys. Yeah. That the, like the skinny chimney, um, outlets, I don't know what they're called. Apologies to all still living chimney sweeps who probably do not exist. <laughs> Um, sure but yeah, not. it looks it, it looks like uh, it looks like Chim Chim Cherie from Mary Poppins, except without all the soot. Um, though the, I mean, there's a little bit of dirtiness still because of the way the painting uses orange. Um, I like how the roofs sort of look like if it were a different time of day, they could be part of the sunset. I, I uh-huh. like the way he uses light and color to to suggest. Um, the sunset, even when it's not setting. Yeah, it's very difficult to tell what kind of, what time of day this is, isn't it? It could be almost any time, mm-hmm. other than night. Mm-hmm. I love that and you I'm... bring that up because I wouldn't have said it before. But all the all the color in this picture is in the buildings, not in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yes, the sky. I, I, and I wonder if he's trying to invoke some sort of um, pollution. That that the reason the sky looks like that is. Because the city's sending out an enormous amount of smoke in these pre-environmental protection agency days. I mean, you guys have, I'm sure, seen the pictures of New York in the 30s where it's so, there's so much smoke that it looks like it's covered in clouds. Mm-hmm. Well, the pic- yeah, it, pictures of Pittsburgh. It's, it's just as bad as um, London a couple of decades later. Hmm. The, the smog is similar. Well, are we ready to move on? Mm -hmm. I think so. My favorite hopper is New York Movie, 1939. When I sent out the show notes for this, Victoria said, of course you picked New York Movie. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just like, (laughs) of course that's your favorite. That's very on brand for you. Well, tell me why, Victoria. Explain me to myself. (laughs) Okay. Um, First of all, Everyone misses going to the movies right now. I I do. You do. I know this is true because we've talked about it. But in terms of this painting, like, it's just so... There's so much going on. It's sumptuously beautiful. You get so much texture from um, the columns and the carpet. Um, I have googled everything i know to google to try to buy shoes that look like this usher's shoes because i'm in love with them they're so beautiful um it's it's very <laughs> i wish you probably don't care about the shoes but um care, in case you have the ball, in, i hadn't in, looked at them until you started talking about it they're really cool i love them um but in addition to the color, the the juxtaposition here um, feels like classic Hopper to me. The difference between the patrons on the left side of the painting and the kind of bored, maybe also annoyed um, usher on the right side of the painting um, seems like the reason you might like this painting if I can uh, armchair psychologize my husband in front of a bunch of people. What do you think, David? You don't have to talk about me. (laughs) I have no idea how this gives me insights into your psyche. It reminds me of a very old theater in downtown Birmingham and probably other, uh, which is probably very much like many very old theaters that have managed to to be preserved. Um, it's called the Alabama Theater, of course, uh-huh. the one in Birmingham. Um, but it it's one of these 
glorious gilded, you know, carvings. There's a an organ that comes up out of the stage. And anyway, pr- pretty pretty amazing. Um, so so pretty clearly, this is a theater from that that era in which uh, the theater itself was half the spectacle mm-hmm. going to the theater. And it was air conditioned, which also helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes it this um, palatial, um, almost uh, kind of a, 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 a temple-type place. Um, there's something almost kind of classical and shrine-like about it, um, with with all the ornateness. The, those that warm reddish orange of those curtains. I, I'm thinking of the that mysterious right window and night window now. Um, and I want to know what where those curtains lead to. I guess the next the next level of steps. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> up, that's up to the, the balcony. balcony, and you can you can but, see the you can see the bottom of the balcony seats over there, David. With the mm-hmm. those things that look like an upside down cupcake. Yeah, I I figured I figured it was something like that, but then that glowing red makes it mysterious. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's so good with light. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. Just the the saturation of that. Um, you can, I mean, I I feel like I know that that's velvet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Clearly. Even though there's almost no texture in that. You know, it's it's almost entirely done with the light and the color. Um, as far as uh, the the attendant in the theater, um. She looks pensive. Clearly, she has business of her own that she's thinking about. Um, she's uniformed, which makes her official, but um, she has immaculate hair. Um, she has to be both official and beautiful. She she is part of the experience of going there. Hmm. Um, her uniform matches the colors in the rest of the painting. Yeah, exactly. She she coordinates with it. She's she is she's part of the scene. But now everyone is watching the movie, and her part of the scene is over. Um, she won't kick into gear until the movie's done, and I suppose she has to escort, you know, kind of sh- show people towards the es- exits or whatever. Uh, hopefully she won't until the movie is done. I was an usher for six years, and, like, the entire time you just pray that no one will act up during the show so you can <laughs> focus on what you're focusing on and uh, – and not have to reprimand anyone. Mm-hmm. There's just something funny about this place. That's it's so opulent. It's a spectacle. It's a special occasion. People are coming here to see wonderful sights. But for her, this is you know, this is every hour of the working day of long working weeks. Um, like a very very bored Beatrice who's having to serve yet another Dante in the in you know the Garden of Paradise. <laughs> yeah, she's she's heard this movie ten times. Um, she's, her, her posture is, I like, I deeply relate to this woman. Um, she's leaning back onto the, uh, the chair rail. So she's, see her waist is propped up and Mm -hmm. she's on her toes. She's not, um, leaning back on her heels. She's on her toes and leaning back onto the wall, um, propped there because apparently the, beautiful shoes that I am coveting are not terribly comfortable. <laughs> well, and also she's not allowed to sit, right? I mean, so she, even, yeah, even though there's no reason, not. even though there's no reason for her to stand, um, surely she's not allowed to sit, even though, I mean, we see there are empty seats right in front of her where she could sit and still help anybody. Yeah. Typically you're not allowed to do that. So I, uh, I also perfected the wall prop. Mm-hmm. The way her hair not only picks up the glow of the light from next to her, but like literally becomes part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, she's just this bored angel. <laughs> um, it, it should be noted that Hopper uh, drew his wife for this. He made her pose next to a wall and, and she was the uh, inspiration for the usherette. So many, so many um, of his paintings have. This is this is one thing I learned from that exhibit we saw is that many, many, many of his paintings feature versions of his wife, Josephine Yeah, Hopper, really, really beautiful. Who was herself uh, a painter? It should be noted. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I, I don't think we've said this yet, but Hopper loved uh, going to the movies. He went to the movies all the time. 
and particularly liked kind of early noir um, gangster movie stuff, um, which I think you can feel if you um, <laughs> if you look at his paintings, all of that shadow and darkness and yeah, double double meaning, yeah. Though I love how much she is a creature of the light, mm-hmm. and she is and she is bored. <laughs> well, because all she's the, not all, part of the shadow. All the fun in the theater is the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Michael? I, I was going to say that um, you know you have that wall going right down the center of the painting, and it, it sets up this easy contrast where everything that's true of her is not true is false of the people sitting on the other side so they're almost completely dark um she's very brightly colored they're sitting um she's standing they're focused intently on whatever it is that's happening on the screen we don't get a good view of it she's not focused on anything that we can see you know she's focused on something internal rather than external um and and so you you really do get that kind of classic uh mid-20th century uh, man against humanity uh, struggle. Only this time it's woman against humanity. That that she's deeper than these people. No wonder she hates them. <laughs> I mean, maybe she is though. We don't we don't see the front of them, so they could be um, they could be Don Draper going in the movies to take a nap. We don't know. <laughs> could be there are several other hopper paintings uh, we've we've talked about them but there there are several of them that he has where there is a woman on the margin of the scene and the focus of the of the painting is the woman on the margin of what is the main action in the scene um one from 1931 called barber shop where the barber and and the one whose hair he's cutting is literally at the edge of the canvas and the focus is on a woman um, at a table that would be at the side of the room who's I guess killing time till the guy gets his hair cut um, uh, one called the office at night in 1940 with a man at a desk looking at paperwork mm-hmm. but the focus is really the woman at the filing cabinet I love that one I almost I almost yeah. gave that one yeah I mean and then, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's just there's just something about the way that he's paying attention to the people who are on the side of the action, especially it seems the women on the side of the action. Um, can, can you uh, talk about that, Victoria? I mean, is there is there a feminist dimension to Hopper? I, you don't hear him talked about in that way, but he certainly he certainly seems to have a lot of implied sympathy for women. And for the most part, for the most part, they're not uh, sexualized. Not um, overly sexualized anyway. So I, I don't know that I'm with you after the for the most part. Um, but I mean, certainly I think Hopper sexualizes women in a way that implicates the viewer, which I appreciate um, because not all um, not all paintings do that. But I yeah, I think that I mean, everything we said about the relative interiority and subjectivity of the usherette um, here speaks to, I think, um, the way Hopper invests a lot of his um, female painting subjects. I, when we get to the next painting, we'll we'll talk about that too. Um, and I, I mentioned that my favorite painting is is Automat um, of his. It's my favorite because um, of everything we're saying right now. Because it's it's a painting with a woman um, in the center of it that also speaks to city living and mechanization and isolation and all of those things. But it does it with a woman in the center. So I, I mean, I think you could uh, you could certainly say that Hopper is giving um, agency and subjectivity to women in cities in in a way that didn't happen all the time. An agency that's not just sexual. So you think of like late nineteenth century French painting, uh, the the Manets and not Manets, but the Manets, Edward Manet. <laughs> And, and people like that. And, and I mean, 
there's agency given to women, but that agency is almost exclusively sexual. And yeah, I mean, there's a sexual dimension to some of Hopper's women, but they don't seem to exist on the canvas primarily to titillate us. And I, I think um, New York movie is a great example. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at one more room in a city, which is room in New York. This um, WikiArt has it at 1940. Wikipedia has it in 1932. I'm not sure which one to believe. Uh, David, take a shot at describing this painting. So we're, I guess, looking through another window. Uh, you see the uh, a gray structural column uh, the side of a wall on the left, you see uh, con- more gray concrete wall, uh, the windowsill, uh, a, a ledge outside um, at the bottom, but all of the uh, top right um, is this interior of a room with uh, uh, pale, pale yellow wallpaper, um, almost kind of a sickly yellow. Um, paintings on the wall, um, a nice cushy chair with a man in it, um, with kind of the standard, um, white shirt, tie, vest, looking at, um, something that's, um, it's a newspaper, big round table or little round table in front of him, doily in the middle. And there is a woman in a red dress, uh, sleeveless dark hair pulled back in a uh, a bun at the nape of her neck. Um, Her her skin is just like marble in comparison to his. Um, But he's not looking at her. He's looking at the newspaper. She's sitting on a little stool. um, Looks like one of those round, kind of polished black wood stools next to a piano. And she's abstractedly playing the piano, not looking at him. He's not looking at her. Um... It's a it's it's an intimate scene that is a, a scene of intimate distance. Mm-hmm. That's a great that's a great phrase, David. Um. Yeah, that that that's that that's what I would see. I would wonder like what is going on with them. It seems like they've just come in from somewhere. Uh, I, they both seem to be dressed dressed for the street. Or they're about to go somewhere. Um, I, don't, I don't know. There's 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 something kind of between times about this. I think I um, think typified by the fact that he's not wearing a suit coat, but he his tie exactly. is still tied. Yes. yes. His sleeves aren't rolled up either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, though it does look as if uh, the cuff is turned down, but not rolled up. So he could snap that kit, that cuff up in a moment. All he has to do is put the coat on, snap the cuff up, put the coat on, and he's ready to get. Um, yeah, I think about to go somewhere sums it up. Maybe out somewhere mm-hmm. based on her dress. Neither of them has faces. No. No. I, I mean, they have faces, but they don't have eyes or mouths. Yeah, it's just noses. That is something that has shown up in his paintings since the very early 1900s, the 19 noughts. There's one from 09 called Bistro with uh, women sitting at a table in this outdoor bistro uh, whose whose faces are almost exactly like the, fa- the faces that are here. I used to have that on my wall in college. There you go. So... That that way of sort of presenting intimate anonymity is something that seems to have been with him for a long time. Hmm. Victoria, what would you add? Uh, next on, Victoria talks about movies in every painting except for the one with an actual <laughs> movie in it. Uh, so this made me think of uh, if there are any Broadway musical people out there. Uh, the song Maybe from Annie, where Annie is um, hypothesizing about what her parents uh, who gave her up might be like. And she's fantasizing that they um, live in a really nice 
place and that they are high class. Um, I'm not going to sing, but I will read lyrics. Uh, maybe far away or maybe real nearby. He may be pouring her coffee. She may be straightening his tie. Maybe in a house all hidden by a hill. She's sitting playing piano. He's sitting paying a bill. Betcha they're young. Betcha they're smart. Bet they collect things like ashtrays and art, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think a lot of that is in this painting. I, these people seem like they um, do understand art and signifiers of class. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that this is the only painting we've talked about today that itself has a painting in it. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that there's there's art here. Um, there's that that shaker table in the middle. So that's a, it's a nice table. They have a piano. Um, he's reading the paper. Lots of, of class signification here. So... Um, it, it sound it feels like these are people who, um, while there is a distance between them, like there are also there are also things between them that do not separate them. These are people who talk about music and art, probably, um, even though they're not talking to each other in this specific moment. Um, I think this is a this is a living room I'd like to be in. Uh, though it does seem a little small. You you don't see a kind of unpleasant tension between the two of them, Victoria. Um, I it could be read that way. I guess I my first reading is like they're just taking a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, but I yeah that it it could be read that way. Um. I, I am curious that he seems to be more dressed up than she does. Um, Sir, if, if the dresses are fancy, indeed if indeed they're going out, um, it's it seems like it's uh, a dress for the evening, though not an evening dress. Um, but I no no gloves, no purse, no jewelry. Yeah, she's not wearing any I, jewelry, is she? Um, and yeah, I mean, if this is, uh, if this is 1932, or even if it's, what is the later year that you said? 1940. She would, um, if, if they were going out at night, she would absolutely be wearing gloves. Um, there don't seem to be gloves near yeah. the piano. Um, yeah. Does that look like a mana a on the wall? Uh, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's so out of focus that it's hard to tell. It's it's certainly um, painted in in such an indistinct way to not not suggest impressionism. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about it. I, I like I look at it and I'm like, that looks like it looks like a Monet. <laughs> I don't know. But it's maybe it's because it's already fuzzy, but it also fits what I expect based on what you were talking earlier about. You know, these people who, they have the markers of culture. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, it, it looks like a, a cityscape with light reflecting off of a wet street. Oh, yeah, the picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, the absence of gloves is interesting. I hadn't thought, of, I hadn't thought about that. See, I don't uh, read it as them about to go out. I read it as he's come home for the day. And they're not talking to each other. And so he's at home, and you know that because he's taken off his jacket, but he's not making himself comfortable. You know, he's he's in that he's in that comfortable chair, but he's leaning forward in it. He, he has his jacket off, but he has his tie um, all the way Interesting. What kills me is that little doily. <laughs> What's it doing there, you know? I... What do you mean? What is it doing there? It's too small for, for the table. It's way too small for no, the table. No, this the centerpiece, ladies and gentlemen. Why Michael does not decorate our house? Um, the <laughs> the doily is for a centerpiece that is not currently on the table. A doily is not a tablecloth. It goes in the center. 
It's not supposed to cover the whole thing. I've had it with you. <laughs> this is what our living room looks like. Not talking to each other. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I hadn't thought that much about doilies in a very long time. My Aunt Catherine would uh, crochet doilies. And all that I knew of as a kid was that I wasn't supposed to touch them or I'd mess them up. Well, this so is, this I, is I the same of, woman who prayed to the saints from two episodes ago? Yes. Yeah. It's an Aunt Catherine Aunt season Catherine. on the Christian Humanist podcast. It is. It is. I'm I'm all full of... Um, well, I was going to say it's not exactly filial piety. I'm not really sure what the word for how to turn a Latin word for aunt into that. Anyway, whatever that is. What have you? Piety of some kind. One other thing I'll point out is that this painting is not straight. It's on an angle. Mm. It's like we're walking by the building and we've turned our head to to see what we, Mm -hmm. we can see. You can see it most clearly in the door, but once you notice it in the door, you notice that the door and the window are parallel. But neither one of them is mm-hmm. um, parallel with the world. Mm-hmm. So you see that as a ground floor, too. I'd wondered about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do. I guess it could... It's so weird that it doesn't have a curtain. It may just be pulled back. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it just feels so weird to me that there would... Because I thought it felt like ground floor, but then I was like, who would sit there in their living room, you know, at night in front of God and everybody... You know, next to a sidewalk with people walking by. I don't know. God bless him. I uh, I love walking and looking into people's living rooms. <laughs> there is a uh, there's a lovely little chapter in the Wind in the Willows, um, when uh, Toad and Ratty are headed home after some adventures. They walk through a human um, a human village, and they're kind of and they're looking through the windows. Uh, at the homely settings of, you know, sort of comfort and and intimacy and good cheer, and it's everything this painting is not. <laughs> One other thing I'll point out, and then we can be done with it if you'd like, is that the light source is not obvious. It's it, like this is clearly being lit from inside, but there's a lamp over next to the woman that is not lit. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's on. So wherever this light is coming from is not visible to us. And it looks like there's a piece of sheet music up on the piano. At least we can see a sliver of white. Yeah. But, so, so that would make you think that the lamp would be on, but it's not. But she's not. She doesn't seem to be terribly focused on um, what she's playing anyway. If she's even playing what's on the sheet music, because she's just kind of pl- um, pressing with one finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just piddling around. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to say about any of these four paintings? It's definitely worth doing to follow through to the larger collection mm-hmm. and see uh, see them in the context of decades of paying attention to things. Uh, I, I've yeah, I, I found I found that really, really enjoyable, just kind of scrolling through there. Um, one, seeing how different they looked uh, as you as you uh, sort of went through the years, but then discovering uh, the degrees to which he'd been paying attention to the same sorts of things from the beginning, um, even as those things have have changed. Well, and we should you know, we should say that while he's most associated with city paintings and all the ones we've looked at today are city paintings, he also has a number of um, pictures of what I take to be like the New England coast. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Well, our last question is what Nathan likes to call the wine and cheese question, which is what uh, what other text, and you can use that term as metaphorically as you'd like, uh, would you pair with these Hopper paintings? Uh, Victoria, let's start with you. Um, so I'm going to talk about two books 
Um, we've talked some about men and women and the, the anonymity of the city and um, what it's like to live in a city. I'm talking about two books that speak to that, though they come a couple of decades uh, later than the Hopper paintings we mentioned. I certainly think that they speak to the same idea and the same um, kind of zeitgeist worldview, uh, and that is Sloan Wilson's The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, um, which is from 1955, and Helen Gurley Brown's Sex and the Single Girl from 1964, uh, so The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit is a novel that is later made into a movie that some people like, um, but I do not. Um, but the, the novel is about um, Americans looking for purpose in the business world and sort of how are you successful and is it even possible to um, be a successful individual and still maintain your humanity. Um, and there's a lot of um, feeling alone in a crowd uh, in that novel and this kind of um, ethos of, of urban coldness uh, and shadow that I think Hopper speaks to. Um, and uh, Sex and the Single Girl, as I said, is by Helen Gurley Brown, who um, most of you might be or might not be familiar with. If you're familiar with her, it's because she was the founder and first editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan um, magazine, and she sort of gives birth to um, this sort of uh, how-to-snag-your-man uh, late 20th century subgenre of literature um, that is, is still um, still associated with Cosmo to this day. And she writes um, a how-to manual about how to be single in the city in the second half of the 20th century and uh, what food you should serve when you're entertaining a man and how to decorate your apartment and um, just sort of how to live in a city after you don't have to live in the Barbizon with a roommate and a chaperone anymore. Um, so the, the sort of um, after effects of, I think, um, some of the women that we talked about in the Hopper paintings today. Those are my, my two pairings. How about you, David? Well, one, one has already been brought up, uh, the, the Hitchcock movie, uh, Rear Window. Um, I, I, I thought about that as, as soon as the, the first – I looked at the first movie or the first uh, painting that we talked about, Night Window. As soon as we pulled that up, I was like, up, oh, up, oh, rear window. But then but then you called it Victoria, so I guess I don't have to say much except that if you haven't seen that movie, do um, because it's very much the sort of thing that we've been talking about. Um, you know, Being in one part of the city, looking out a window and seeing what you can see, um, separated by – um, you know, the architecture from, you know, the teeming millions, as it were, um, who are all alone together um, in in that strange way that cities create. Uh, so um, Rear Window is one. Uh, I also thought about a, a later meditation on that. It's, it's, not, it's not exactly the same, but it has a similar kind of um, – uh, Attention to what's going on in 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 some scenes, which is Taxi Driver, um, we've talked about before. Um, you know, kind of except in that case, you're sort of slow cruising through the street, looking through the window of the taxi, seeing the ordinary things that happen on the street um, in in this kind of abstracted way, studying the people. Um, uh, much, you know, a much darker vision, obviously, but there's still Something, something there that reminded me of it. Um, we've re we've referenced uh, hardboiled detective fiction and film noir uh, depictions of that fiction. Um, uh, certainly, if if you if your route uh, into Edward Hopper is not Hawks, you you immediately um, know know that connection viscerally <laughs> in a particular kind of way. Uh, but there's there's also something there. Um, uh, I like, uh, you know, I like a lot of the hardboiled writers. Um, perhaps one of the ones that's uh, not quite as typical is Nero Wolf, who's not entirely in the hardboiled 
detective fiction camp, but he partakes of aspects of it. Well, he's super, super those, New York, right? Oh, yeah, super New York. Um, and his his narrator is much less cynical, much friendlier. He's the sort of person who would see the attendant standing on the side at the theater. Um, the person who's more genially interested in the people who are around. Um, much less um, cynical and um, suspicious and nihilistic than most hard-boiled fiction, but still with that kind of um, attention to an atmosphere, uh, to a, a location that can be very estranging. And uh, that was... Um, yeah, that, that, those those were really the things that um, that I thought most about because I, I don't read much about cities. I don't I don't really um, that's not a huge part of my imaginative um, and art consumption world is kind of reflecting on cities. Um, but yeah, this was this was interesting. This is this is a little more I would say loving and humanizing. Um, though not always comfortable than some of the ones I talked about. I would pair it, I think, with Jean-Paul Sartre's essay, Existentialism is a Humanism, because he says, in effect, that there's no such thing as existentialist painting. And I just don't see how Edward Hopper is not an existentialist painter. Um, how, mm. how these paintings are not, at least in part, about people who are adrift in the modern world um, because the the structures that once uh, gave their lives shape no longer exist. And there's something exciting about that, especially if you like cities. But there's also something lonely about that. These paintings are warm but lonely. And I, um, I, I think that's a, it, it's a very, uh, very special effect, a very singular effect. Anyway, thank you guys for, uh, for talking about them with me. And I hope our listeners will get in touch with us and let us know what they think about Edward Hopper. Uh, let us know the deficiencies in our own readings of these paintings. Our, our website is christianhumanist.org, and our email address is thechristianhumanist at gmail.com. Victoria, you're hosting next week. What are we talking about? Uh, we have entered the season of Advent, and we'll be talking about several Advent poems by Christina Rossetti. Great. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us via email or via Twitter at CH Radio Network, or David is at The Real Grubsy. I'm at Kel Bummer. Victoria is at Victoria R. Farmer on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to get in touch with us, and we'd love to hear from you. The Christian Humanist Podcast is a production of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. Uh, until next week, this is Michael Farmer saying for Victoria Reynolds Farmer, for David Grubbs, for the absent Nathan Gilmore, let your sins be strong and let your faith be stronger.